morning. Our lessons for Sunday night are going to be a little different, for at least for a little while, than what they have been. Uh, but I've decided to do a series of lessons on the book of First Thessalonians. I don't do these types of lessons very often, and I'll admit this one was a little bit more challenging than some, uh, and some of it may not be as sermonish as my usual sermons, but I think it is a good lesson nonetheless. I think there are some good things, and I certainly enjoyed studying at least the first chapter, and we'll go through each chapter and hopefully uh, gain something from them. But we're going to begin our study in the book of 1 Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So if you would turn there and follow along with us. We're going to go through the whole chapter tonight. Of course it's short. It's only 10 verses. Uh, but there is a lot of meaning here. There are a lot of things that we can gather I think from this chapter. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Begin in verse 1 and it says this. We we'll begin with a greeting here. Paul Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ as we look at this greeting one of the first things that we notice about this book about this letter that is being written it is addressed from three different individuals uh, it is addressed from Paul Silvanus, who we know probably better as Silas, the shortened form of his name, and Timothy. Although I think we realize as we go throughout this book especially, we realize that the letter itself is written by the hand of Paul. So it's more or less as if Silvanus and Timothy agree with what he is saying, and so the letter is coming from them as well, um, but it is coming from all three. Uh, as they are mentioned here. As we look at all three, we understand that these are different men. They have different uh, ways in which they, they began to minister and things of that nature. We begin by looking at Paul. Paul we know to be an apostle. Um, not as one of the original twelve apostles, but he was an apostle nonetheless. We know his life to begin as Saul. I think his is probably one of the most interesting transitions that we have in Scripture. I remember a few years ago there was a preacher that was preaching on his life, or at least mentioning it. And he said, you know, if we were to really think about Paul's life and how it began as Saul, and we think of it in today's terms, I think we would see Saul as a terrorist, would we not? He went around, he, you know, was at the death of Stephen whenever they stoned him. He persecuted the church and it was something that forever haunted him. There are many times throughout his letters where he mentions his past with regret. But as we look at how he became... Paul. And I think the name change was one of great significance. As we see his name change from Saul to Paul, we see a change in the man. He went from persecuting the church to being a great encouragement to many congregations through his visits, 
and through his letters when he wasn't able to visit as he wished. Though it is addressed from the three, this letter, as I mentioned before, Paul is the obvious writer using I on occasion in his writings. He refers to himself. And then we come to Sylvanus, also known as Silas. Silas is the shortened form of Sylvanus and that's what is used in the book of Acts and that's where we, we really know him from more so than anywhere else. Uh, both are Greek or at least have Greek roots uh, as far as the names are concerned. Sylvanus is also the name of a Roman god worshipped by farmers after they have cleared their land which is kind of curious to, to see a Jew that uses a Greek name that also is the name of a god. And so it is believed that Silas uh, may have been a proselyte. Uh, it's possible. It seems, does seem strange for a Jew to wear the name of Roman god. And so it is supposed that Sylvanus or Silas was possibly a proselyte converted to Judaism, which is what a proselyte was. Someone who was not a Jew, but they were converted to Judaism. And then we have... Timothy, who joined Paul and Sylvanus shortly after Paul's second missionary journey had begun. He's possibly one of the converts from Paul's first missionary journey. We understand that his family lived in Lystra, which is one of the places that Paul and Barnabas had preached. And it's also interesting to note how Paul refers to Timothy, namely in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2. He's referred to as a true son in the faith. And we see that father-son type relationship evidenced throughout the New Testament, which is a very interesting relationship uh, to notice. And so those are the three that are mentioned that, that this letter is coming from. It is written to the church of the Thessalonians. And God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and it says here, uh, it's a common greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the way that, that this letter begins as we look at the greeting. And then we get into the meat of this chapter as we begin to look at the gratitude that is expressed. And I will say that, that the most interesting thing about this chapter is how it is addressed. And how Paul speaks of these people. And I think there are some good examples of how we as Christians should treat each other and talk of each other. Paul had some very good things to say about this congregation. And so that's one of the things to note. But as we look at the gratitude, we begin in verse 2. The first Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. 
Paul expresses a great deal of thanksgiving for the brethren of Thessalonica in prayer. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. How often do we pray for fellow Christians? How, do we, how often do we pray for our congregation? Paul mentioned them often in his prayers. And that was something that I'm sure that was very encouraging to the church there. Paul remembered and recognized their work of faith. Their labor of love and patience of hope. And we are reminded of the importance of these three in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And verse 13. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And we see that love that is expressed from Paul to the congregation. We see that is very important for him to express to them. Another thing that we find interesting here is that the brethren here were elected or chosen by God, depending on what translation you use. But they were elected, they were chosen, and that was something that was particular to this church, not really particular to this congregation, but to the church overall. You see, those that are reached with the gospel are chosen by God. I think we talked about this Wednesday night a little bit, but when we look at our relationship with God, we see that, that we are adopted into the family of God. And I remember hearing uh, of parents, especially those that have adopted children and how they express their love and care for them. You know, I didn't just, you know, you weren't just born to me, but I chose you. I chose you to be in this family. And that's exactly what Paul is saying about this family of God. You are chosen by God. You are loved especially by God. You are cared for especially by God. And all those that have been reached with the gospel are chosen by God. Notice what is said in James chapter 2 and verse 5. James chapter 2 and verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He promised to those who love Him? 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Coming to Him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word. 
to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You see, if we accept God to be who He is, if we are obedient to Him in the plan of salvation, and if we live a faithful life, we are chosen by God. There are many people who would reject God, but those who accept Him, accept His Word, and obey are chosen to be different. We are called away from the things of this world and called to be holy. To be a royal priesthood. To be a special people. A peculiar people. We're to be different than the world. Salvation comes from an effort by God to save His chosen people. All who believe and obey Him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should, should not perish and have everlasting life. So Jesus died for all, but yet there are many who reject Him. Just as Thessalonians were chosen people, so were we chosen to forsake the world for the cause of Christ. As we look at, at what Paul is saying in these few verses, we see this feeling of gratitude. Feeling gratitude is one thing, but expressing it is another. And not only was Paul thankful for the brethren, but he told them so. Expressing that we care should be a priority, whether in word or deed. You see, if we're going to be an encouragement to our fellow believers, to our brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we can be thankful. That's one thing. But how often do we express it to each other? Now that can be a great encouragement. And it was a great encouragement to the Thessalonian church here. That was an important part of this letter. But sometimes we fail to express our gratitude toward one another as we should. Although it can be a great, great thing for the church. The last few verses of this chapter, verses 6 through 10, we see example. The example of the people. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and, <clears throat> and verse 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone out. 
so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declared concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. While many might be tempted to look for fault, Paul doesn't miss the opportunity to praise the brethren. That's another great example that we learn from Paul and of this letter. And there are times when we need to rebuke, but there are also times when praise is a good thing. Sometimes praise is merited, and certainly it was in this case. Notice some of the things that Paul mentions here in these verses. They followed with joy, though facing much affliction. They were good examples to those around them and taught the word of the Lord. Their faith had been seen by all so that there was no need of Paul telling of their good deeds and efforts. And sometimes we have to tell people maybe about ourselves or about someone else. This wasn't the case. Because their faith had been evidenced in those around them. They already knew. Others declared the repentance and change made by the Thessalonian church that they had turned from serving idols to serving the living and true God. This people was a, a great example to the world that was around them. So much so that, that those around them knew of their faith knew of their strength as a congregation, knew of how they had turned away from evil. And we see toward the end of this chapter that they were eager, eagerly watching and waiting for the return of Christ from heaven. Many times we're told in Scripture to be aware of the coming of Christ. They were watching, they were waiting. Again, there's a time for rebuke. There's also a time for praise. The brethren here who turned from idolatry were faithfully serving God. Many are too often rebuked and seldom praised for their efforts. And that's the unfortunate side of the church, but there are often times where Christians are discouraged in one way or another, but they're seldom praised for the good that they do. Paul took the time and the opportunity to praise the brethren for the good that had been done within their congregation. Praise when deserved can be a great encouragement. And again, these aren't words of flattery by any means. They deserve these things. They, they had earned what Paul had to say about them. He was taking the opportunity to express his gratitude and express his feelings towards them as examples. Now as we conclude our lesson tonight, there are three things that I think we as Christians can learn from Paul. From his example and this letter that is written to the Thessalonians. One of the things that we see within Paul 
It's his desire to bring the lost to Christ. He had a desire to bring the lost to Christ. Notice what it said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and beginning with verse 19. <clears throat> For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the joy and to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews, to those who were under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who were under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake. That I may be partaker of it with you. He went to great lengths to win souls to Christ. We, we see he, he tried to take people from where they were. He tried to become like them so that he could... Represent the gospel to them. So that they would hear the message. So that some might believe and obey. But he had a desire to bring the lost to Christ. And that's something that we can take as an example for us as Christians. How much of a desire do we have to win lost souls? Family, friends, even enemies. How much of a desire do we have? To win lost souls to Christ. We notice also his love for God. And his love for fellow Christians. In Romans chapter 12. Verses 9 through 18. Romans 12 and beginning with verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence fervent in spirit serving the Lord rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation continuing steadfastly in prayer distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality verse 14 bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Love is the key word there. Let love be without hypocrisy. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor giving preference to one another. And even in reference to enemies, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Is expressing love. 
That's the love that we need to have for one another. He loved the brethren of Thessalonica. He, he loved the brethren of any congregation, really. We see it in his letters of encouragement. And even in letters of rebuke from time to time as well. But we see his love for his fellow brothers and sisters. That's the kind of love that we need to have for one another. We also notice his selfless view of all good things done by the Thessalonian church. He doesn't try to take credit for any of these things. But he recognized their good and praised them for it. We also know that he told the truth without flattery. He saw the good in the congregation. And he expressed to them the good that they were doing. Keep doing it. So as we look at these things, I think we see a good example in Paul of how we can reach out to one another. We need to recognize the good. Part of love is, is not seeing bad all the time, but see the good in people. We need to see the good in each other and, and attempt to express praise when it's necessary. So many times we're discouraged for different things, but let's be an encouragement to all people. Just as Paul is an encouragement to the brethren here. And he sees them as beloved brethren. He mentions them as beloved brethren. And that's the type of relationship that we're to have with one another as Christians. As he mentions them often in prayer, that's something that we should do also. We should mention each other in prayer often. Pray for the congregation. Pray that the good that we do continues. Pray for each other's individuals. That we would remain faithful. Paul took a great opportunity to express his gratitude, his thankfulness for this congregation, to notice the importance of their example to the world around them. And that's the way that we should, should be toward one another. I don't know where you stand tonight. I don't know if you're a Christian or not. Maybe it is that you need to obey the gospel. We know how to do that through the scriptures. By faith, hearing and believing. We also repent. We confess Christ. We confess that we believe that he died on the cross for our sins. We are baptized for the remission of our sins. Those things are important. But even so, in becoming a Christian, it doesn't make things easy. Sometimes we fall. Sometimes we're in need of rededicating our lives to Christ. Maybe we're in need of repentance or maybe we need to ask for forgiveness for something that we've done or ask for prayers on our behalf for the church. And certainly we're glad to help you in any way that we can. But if you need to come tonight, whether it be in obedience or repentance, whatever your need is tonight,
there's something that we can do to help you. Please come as we stand and as we sing.